Hey everybody, this is Alex Merced from alexmercedcoder.com. Welcome to episode number four in this sort of like intro the blockchain and just kind of getting you familiar with like the blockchain ecosystem type series that I've been doing here on any of the podcasts you're listening to because this will air on many of the podcasts that I run. Um, and in this episode, what I want to talk about is just sort of like blockchain beyond cryptocurrency. So again, the first batch of blockchains all focused on being a ledger for the token that was the reward. So kind of circular thinking, the idea being they are just the, a ledger of transactions in a particular currency. And that's not that's nothing to be scoffed at, okay? Like block, Bitcoin, um, regardless of people's criticisms, has done a lot for a lot of people in a lot of places. Has allowed, um, people always say, well, you know, it's a bunch of, just a bunch of criminals use it and we're money launderers. And yeah, some of that is true. Um, but also there's been places where it's allowed there to be uh, remittances. Like if there's a company called BitPesa in Africa, look it up. It's a pretty interesting company. Um, but because of Bitcoin, so while Bitcoin versus like, let's say something like the US dollar may not seem like a more stable currency, uh, Bitcoin relative to currencies in war torn nations might seem more stable. Okay. And be more accessible because you're not, you don't necessarily have the same you know, all these sort of regulations and, and international rules that are restricting the ability to use uh, like something like a dollar or something like that. Okay, and you may not have the payment infrastructure, but all, all a, a cryptocurrency needs is an internet connection. So you don't need to have all these this super sophisticated payment infrastructure and payment counterparties that you, you do need in our current modern financial systems. So again, a lot of these places where that's not taken for granted like let's say someone like me in the united states where you know payment systems are pretty like you know there has the issues of centralization and whatnot but they handle a lot of transactions uh they do it pretty well rarely am i finding myself like having like wrong numbers in my accounts and whatnot and they're generally fixed pretty effectively like it, it you know like the margin the benefit the marginal benefit between like sort of my the level of convenience and the way things work for me are not necessarily as great as someone somewhere else who don't have those conveniences. So a lot of times people criticize things like Bitcoin from the point of view of their own privilege. Okay, like like yes, you are privileged to have the benefit of these other options that may right now be a better option, but other people don't, and Bitcoin offers them a really solid alternative. Same thing with like Litecoin and all these other cryptocurrencies. And you know then you can go to Venezuela where basically for there was a period of time where like um, there was this weird arbitrage where basically their money became worthless because of, you know, well, I, 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 I won't say why because different people are going to then want to argue with me regardless of why I say why, but it happened. The money became worthless and electricity was being provided for free at the time. So basically you could at least get Bitcoin by setting your computer up to mine and be able to eat okay versus not so that i mean that was that was a thing that actually helped people survive okay and y yes at the same time it also allows nefarious figures bottom line is like anything that benefits people is going to benefit good and bad people so like like the fact that bad people use something does not mean it's no no longer a good thing um because people will good or bad will use whatever is that will give them some sort of convenience in doing something. But yes, 
But the thing is that there's so much more that we use ledgers for. Again, keeping track of, like, property in a house or, you know, like, game information or whatnot. So then came along, like, something like Ethereum. And Ethereum uh, took it a step further, where basically said, okay, how about the, the blockchain not necessarily being about a currency? So the Ethereum is a token, and you get rewards in Ethereum to incentivize the validation. But the big grander point with Ethereum is that you could create what was called a smart contract. And a smart contract usually is a bit of code that is kind of linked to a particular sort of address on the blockchain. And it can get like it can trigger it can trigger a running of that code, an execution of that code anytime like currency gets sent to a particular trans to a particular wallet. Okay, and then that's the basic idea okay um so you started having things that called like icos where people would create and the thing is that the ethereum ledger doesn't just track ethereum transactions you can create your own units of account that also are tracked in the ethereum ledger and these are referred to as tokens so they're not their own blockchain like they're not a currency that has their own blockchain you don't get rewarded with them from validating transactions um generally what happens is they could rep they just generally represent something some sort of stake in something okay and this is where we start kind of this is where like the regulatory hammer starts really kind of coming down because up to this point like things like bitcoin and litecoin are more of a more like a currency or more like a commodity depending who you're talking to um so in the, in the sense that like there's no one who owns it and when you own a bitcoin you don't really have a stake in any particular like enterprise like Owning a Bitcoin is like owning a, co a gold coin. Like, the, there's no gold business. It might be worth something, but it's just not, I'm, I don't have a share of something, like a share of a company. But these tokens that were being made on Ethereum were something that could represent ownership or a stake in some sort of enterprise. So a lot of people were raising money for different like blockchain type enterprises, and they would use these smart contracts to create tokens. And the way it would work is that you would say, okay, I would create a smart contract, which are generally written in a programming language called Solidity. And that what it does is you would say, okay, you contribute Ethereum to this address by this date. And then based on your contribution of Ethereum to this wallet, you'll get X number of tokens of this new token issue. And then you can then exchange that token with other people. Once you have the token, the token's yours, and you can do whatever you want with it. So people would then trade these tokens like you would trade stocks in hopes that they would rise in price. And they would only rise in price because of the underlying like the underlying uh, thing. So there's a couple of interesting ones like Civic. The concept behind Civic is to create some sort of like token-based way of identi identity verification. So that way you don't have to necessarily give your information to some like third party and trust that they keep your private your private your information is sort of like privately like encrypted and verified on a blockchain and you can use it to like verify you are who you are at different points because you have your your token i don't know the ins and outs exactly of the mechanics of how they plan on doing that but that's been an enterprise that's been around for a while um there's like the central land which is kind of like a a virtual land where you can buy virtual property using this in-game currency there which is in, on the blockchain yeah, there, there's all sorts of different things that get issued. 
Um, so that's kind of like where things started expanding. Like things started expanding in blockchain into this area where we're like going into n not, ne not necessarily currency type stuff. And it gets a little bit more complicated because there's also something called a dApp. Okay, like if you can create code that executes on the blockchain, then maybe you can create applications that are in, at least in part executed on the blockchain or through code that is executed on the blockchain. Okay, and the, the possibility that arises is that you create online app web applications that don't rely on a central server somewhere. So in that case, even if the business that built it goes out of business, the, the thing is still there, okay? Like the business, like the product exists, the, 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 uh, the, the, the tools for it to function are still there in the blockchain. Which means like, hey, you built something you know, and suddenly government wants to crack down on it, you, there's nothing you can do about it. Like, it's there. It's committed into this thing that can never be changed. Um, which is, to me, fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. Um, although dApps are still something that's kind of figuring itself out. And there's a lot of newer, uh, different, like, technologies that are trying to facilitate that. But you have, so again, so you have all these things. Tokens, what you would refer to as ICOs, initial coin offerings. Um dApps, decentralized applications, applications that would run being but with code that's executed on the blockchain. And again, these could all take little forms where basically maybe like really the, the blockchain is is basically providing a way of authentication or the blockchain is providing actual data, but really it's like some sort of actual normal web application that actually consumes that data from the blockchain and creates like sort of a front end uh, piece that users can use. There's a hundred variations on this story. Um, and that's kind of what Ethereum introduced, but they're not the only ones that do that anymore. You have like Waves, you have EOS, uh, you have Polkadot, you have um, Algorand, all these different types of blockchains have facilities for like smart contracts. And there's many, 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 many more. Okay, there is no shortage of these nowadays. It's now just saying who can grab more market share, okay? But here's the thing. You know, if you have a public blockchain, once it exists, it doesn't go anywhere. You know, it might shrink and it might grow. Um, but when someone's using it, they got to kind of keep using it. So it's it's a pretty interesting space. Um, and, you know, people have created like other mini sort of blockchains or what's called side chains on a lot of these currencies. So these are basically our blockchains that handle basically what they do is they have their own let's say chain blockchain that manages the transactions in a particular sort of like tokens or tokens and has like its own little mini economy but then it, it operates in parallel to executions on an existing more bigger blockchain like an ethereum or an eos or polka dot or something like that um you know they might be used to facilitate like um inter-blockchain sort of transactions where basically um, you have, like, I think there's one, like, one where it facil facilitates transactions between different blockchains. So what it does is that, like, essentially it has, like, these addresses, all different addresses that hold different types or hold a reference to a wallet that holds a different kind of currency. So I may decide I want to send turn my Bitcoin into Ethereum. So then it gets, it locks up Bitcoin in its own little stash and then my Ethereum, I get a token that represents the Ethereum that I have that I can then turn into Ethereum that would get sent to a wallet of my choice, or I can continue exchanging it within that sort of blockchain. Like there's all sorts of different variations on the story. Like 
now you're starting to get into what's called like layer two technologies where you're going beyond just like the transaction level and you're starting to handle what's called settlements. What's called like the settlement layer. Um, or basically a layer, layer two, layer three, like these are just means that like we're no longer doing that fundamental problem of just creating a blockchain. It's no longer like, hey, let's create a blockchain that validates transactions. You're going more layers above that. Like gold, like if you do transactions in gold, let's say, you're not going to necessarily like buy little pieces of gold and pay for things. What might likely happen or would likely happen is maybe different intermediaries would transact in gold. Although like nowadays you do have things like um, my recent interview with um, uh, with that with a gold app that was um, Coral Global. Okay, if you download the Coral Global app, that actually does facilitate the ability to do like everyday transactions in gold. So just to make sure that, you know, I am aware that that is a thing, but I'm just saying like generally individual settling transactions is different than executing transactions. So the way banks actually work, even in US dollars, is that when I charge my credit card, money doesn't go from my account to your account right away. What happens is at the end of the day, all these banks, they figure out what the net movement of money is. So Chase is figuring out, hey, from all the transactions that happened today, what's the net amount of money I need to send the Bank of America between all my customers and all their transactions, okay, etc. So this is what's called settlement. And this is like another layer that's being built on top of a lot of these blockchains where, okay, the blockchain, so instead of saying, hey, every time I buy a cup of coffee in Bitcoin, that this Bitcoin transfers from one wallet to another, you can use what's called a lightning payments node so this is just one mechanism for like settlement. And these like nodes that handle lightning payments, what they do is they'll keep track of transactions between other lightning payment nodes. And then all these nodes, instead of transacting throughout the day, at a certain point, they settle up, they net those transactions out, and then just conduct the net transactions amongst each other. And this allows there to be faster transactions because people can just transact. That's why your credit card transactions seem so fast because they don't handle the actual settlement of it the minute that you buy your cup of coffee. It's all handled at the end of the day through a net transaction. So, because again, people criticize the Bitcoin blockchain for being slow, but the answer is, it's just that if we had to settle dollar transactions at every transaction, it would be slow too. We just don't do that. There's settlement. And now they're building those kind of technologies with like lightning payments in Bitcoin and a lot of other equivalent sort of layer two, what's referred to as like layer two technologies, like creating these other layers that'll, provide more functionality to existing blockchains. Um, and then layers on top of that and whatnot. People keep trying to find ways to kind of expand sort of these networks. Because again, fear blockchain. So once they exist, you can't really change them. You can't build necessarily new features because it, that would require every validator to have to update their software pretty much at the same time. And you just don't know who all these validators are. So how are you supposed to do that? So oftentimes you have to build sort of these parallel technologies that run side by side, um, and that makes it kind of work. But um, yeah, so hopefully this kind of gives you like an idea of, and so this is where like the need for like blockchain developers comes in because it comes down to like developing apps, or, or I mean dApps, developing wallet applications, developing um, uh, smart contracts, uh, developing uh, side chains and all these different technologies uh, is now 
really now there's, it's basically a, a new renaissance to figure out who, who can figure out sort of the best applications of this technology before everyone else. I mean, if you were to ask me my opinion, where the use of blockchain really excels is in the management of public information, uh, or information that should be publicly available, where none of the parties who provide part of in the information have the incentive of... So again, like, the, for example, the banana. Okay, the farmer cares about the transaction between the, f the banana farm and the wholesaler. The wholesaler cares, yeah, they care about the transaction with the, the, the farm, and they care about the transaction with like the retail, like the grocery store, but they don't care about the end consumer. And then the grocery store only only cares about the transactions with the wholesaler and the, no, none of them have an interest of like the whole supply chain. So in that case, like, you know, someone has like a banana that gives you like listeria or something. Okay, first that person would have to like figure out what store that I buy this banana from. And then that banana would have to, they had to figure out whether, which wholesaler provided that particular banana. And with that particular banana, where that whole, which farm did that wholesaler pick up that particular banana from, and which batch of crops did that particular banana come from? Blockchain makes it a lot easier to figure out because you can create all the information sort of stored in one place instead of a lot of different sort of decentralized places without having to place a burden on any party in the chain. Um, so that is always a good thing. Like again, a company that's talking about their internal records that probably doesn't need a blockchain okay they don't necessarily need the redundant that that they don't want they wouldn't want their information on uh, in the public eye even if it's fairly hard to read and possible to track they wouldn't necessarily want that information out there um they would just want to find their own redundancies internally so it's got to be like data that, that that is publicly useful um and again the money you make is through the, the tokens and the currencies and whatnot that facilitate these networks functioning because generally with the way you would use to, to use these different services, to use the DAP, to make use of a smart contract, whatnot, there's always some sort of transaction and some sort of token and some sort of cryptocurrency. And that gives these things value. And that's generally sort of like where the profit comes in, in the transactions that generate value and then uh, being paid to facilitate, being paid for validating these transactions. Um, yeah, so I think that's gonna wrap up this series, just kind of going over the basics. Um, if you are listening to my non, like, if you care about development in blockchain, I'm probably eventually going to be doing a series on Algorand development. I do want to learn more about developing on the Algorand uh, blockchain. I just keep not having time. But uh, do subscribe to my YouTube channel, my web development YouTube channel, if you want to learn more about that. Um, but otherwise, uh, keep subscribed to the podcast. There'll be other content that I'll be covering. So check it out. Have a great day and enjoy.